Kids Help has had a major impact on our school. We have an extremely diverse student population, the common factor being that our kids are mostly poor. And they have families that are either not engaged or they're, they're working two jobs, and so the kids don't get enough um, attention from the adults in their lives. During lunch, we um, we come back to the classroom and talk and figure out where he's at and, and uh, what he's been doing. Um, does he have homework? Um, we talk about just family things, joke around, um, you know, kind of kid each other. We'll go out and, and try and pick up on some game, whether it's tetherball or playing catch with a football. Christ community, great to see all of you. Greetings to our 15th Street campus as well as our West Campus and our Traditions venue. I mean, what a, what a great story we just kind of watched there about Kids Hope, our Kids Hope program at Maplewood Elementary. I love Kids Hope. Um, over the years, I've had the opportunity to mentor a couple students. It is a great way to make an impact in a child's life. Just one hour a week. Huge impact. Maplewood has specifically asked us as a church for 50 volunteers, for 50 mentors from Christ Community. So I hope that many of you will say yes to this opportunity. Maybe you're retired. Maybe you're 20-something. Maybe you're a business person or whatever. You're looking for a way to make a difference. This is how you can do it. You can sign up to be a mentor. Your life will be changed as much as, as the child. So you can find out more information about it via um, the newsletter you were given. There's also a card in there that you can fill out. Um, there's an information area, a Kids Hope area in our lobby, or after the service today, you can go talk to someone and get more information about it. Um, and, and, so, and you can also find out on more information online and sign up on, online. So our Kids Hope program, as you kind of maybe got a sense there, it's just one facet of a very cool partnership that we have with Maplewood Elementary School. So for instance, our staff 
staff, we go over on, on uh, a day in May at the end of the last day of school, and we do a big party for um, the students there. We're doing kickball with them and, and providing food and stuff. Um, we also have an e-group. One of our e-groups is, is going to be doing an alpha parenting class for um, families this fall at Maplewood. And so it's just this great partnership, and it's really a reflection of our desire to be for children and families in our city as a part of the For This City and Beyond. We want to be for children and families. So a few months ago, we as a church, we donated, and then we installed a bench at Maplewood Elementary School. Um, and uh, it's called a buddy bench. There's a picture of it right there. It's called a buddy bench. Now, if you don't know what a buddy bench is, that's okay, because I didn't know either. I had never heard the term before until a few weeks ago when Roseanne Holman, our Kids Hope Director, mentioned something to me about, uh, about it. And when she told me what it was, I started, I started crying. Um, so why was I crying about a bench? Well, it's not just any bench. You see, the, the, the official goal of the buddy bench is this, to eliminate loneliness and foster friendship on the playground, spreading the message of inclusion and kindness. So here's how it works. And this is kind of what got me choked up. Whenever a child feels lonely during recess, whenever a child feels lonely and they need someone to play with, they can go sit on this buddy bench. And that lets other kids on the playground know that this child needs a buddy. And so these other kids can go up and they can invite this child to play with them. It is an incredibly simple concept. And Maplewood teachers, the Maplewood teachers and staff love it. They say that a number of kids this year are choosing to sit on the bench. They're choosing to go over and sit on the bench. And they don't, but they don't sit there for very long because other kids are going over and asking them to play. So now, on the playground of Maplewood Elementary School, loneliness is being eliminated. And that got me thinking, wouldn't it be cool if on the playground of life, loneliness could be eliminated so that no one would ever have to go through life alone? I mean, there is no pain like the pain of loneliness. I mean, if we have back pain, you know, we can take some ibuprofen, usually feel better in a few, in a few minutes or whatever. There is, there is no ibuprofen for loneliness. A few years ago, a Chicago Tribune columnist admitted in her column that she was lonely. She wrote, this loneliness saddens me. How did it happen that I could be 42 years old and not have enough friends? It seems that every woman's friendship quota has been filled and she's no longer accepting new applicants. That column um, received, she received seven times the email response and letters from that column that she usually receives. She heard from CEOs, she heard from homemakers, all describing their feelings of loneliness, their difficulty in finding friends. And it's not just women. A recent survey revealed that 90% of men lack a true friend. And this is not just a minor sociological issue. This reality is taking its toll on us as humans. A recent scientific, very significant scientific study, it was a mega, mega study done over several years, uh, thousands of people. This study revealed that loneliness is just as harmful to our health as not exercising, as smoking 15 cigarettes a day, and it's twice as bad as being obese. Loneliness. Another study looked at 2,000 cancer patients in China. The number one predictor of survival was social well-being. 
including friendship. The off-the-charts prevalence of depression, of pornography, of suicide in our society all speak to this pain of loneliness. You know, it almost seems like this, this human connection thing is something that's like wired into us at a really deep level, almost like it's at the core of who we are as human beings which is exactly what the Bible teaches, right? <laughs> I mean, one of the things that I appreciate so much about the Bible is that it, it, re, it, it gets us as humans. It describes our reality in such an accurate way. And the most profound example of this, I think, is the book of Genesis. I mean, here's a book in the Bible that is well over 3,000 years old. And in the first three chapters, it so accurately describes the essence of our humanity. It answers questions that evolutionary theory does not answer. Like, why are we here? Why do we long for connection with others and yet resist it at the same time? See, Genesis 1 to 3 answers those questions in a way that evolutionary theory doesn't. So, so let's dig in a little bit and explore this loneliness thing from the beginning. Let's start with Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. L look at this. Here, here's what we read. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. Now notice how God describes himself as an us. Let us make mankind in our image. God is an us. See, from the very first pages of the Bible, we discover that God exists in relationship, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It is a beautiful picture of authentic community, each person of the Trinity enjoying each other and submitting to each other and honoring each other. I mean, God exists in this relational community. So when he says that he created us in his image, it is no surprise that that would include this innate need for relationship, for connection. So then we go to Genesis chapter two, second chapter of the Bible, and we see kind of a more detailed account of how Adam and Eve were created. And what we see there is that Adam is created first and he is given responsibility to work the ground and to, and to take care of it. He's given the, the privilege of, of enjoying the fruit from any and every tree in the garden except for, for one. I mean, he is in paradise. He, he has a close relationship with God. He has all the food he needs. He has a job to do, you know. He, he's got the remote control all to himself, okay? And life is good for Adam, right? Life is good. It's paradise. Or is it? Throughout Genesis 1, as God is creating the world, there is this repeated refrain. God creates this, and, he's, and he saw that it was good. And then he creates this, and he saw that it was good. And he saw it was good. It was good. It was good. It was good. Over and over again, this refrain, everything he created is good. Right? Now, with that in mind, check out Genesis 2.18, where in the midst of this perfect environment, this literal paradise, God says something that had never been spoken before. The Lord God said, it is not good. It is not good for the man to be alone. Not good? I mean, something is not good in, in paradise? That's right. What is not good is that Adam is alone. He is not connected in community with other humans. He is missing something vitally important. Be be because he was created in God's image, 
We learned that from chapter one. Because he was created in God's image, he was created for community. And that is true for all of us. It's true for all of us. We are created for community. We are created for relationships. This is hardwired into us. This is, this is not a software program that we can uninstall. Um, this is not an extrovert, introvert personality issue. Oh, that's just not my personality. No, 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 no. This is a core part of our identity as human beings. This is a core part of who we, who we are. Every one of us is wired for connection. We are built for connection with others. We are built for community, which is why when we live our lives without meaningful connections with others, it is not good emotionally, physically, spiritually. It's not good. This is a core, this need for connection is a core part of our humanity, which is why we're spending like five weeks here just talking about community. How do we connect? Because it's such an important part of who we are at the core of our being. A few weeks ago, we had a, a cul-de-sac barbecue in our, in our neighborhood. We've organized this for, um, I think, over 15 years, actually, this, this barbecue. Um, and and uh, it's been a great way just to establish friendships and relationships in, in our, in our, in, with our neighbors. And so, so this barbecue, at this barbecue, I was visiting with a neighbor who recently retired. And, and so I sort of jokingly asked him, I said, so now that you're retired, it was a Sunday night we had this barbecue. So I said, hey, so now that you're retired, what are you doing tomorrow? I mean, what's a typical Monday morning look like? And he immediately said, I'm going to coffee. And I said, oh, well, that's cool. Who, who are you going to coffee with? He said, oh, there are about seven or eight guys or whatever we, we meet for coffee. I said, that's really cool. That's, that's really neat. So where do you meet? He said, well, on Monday we meet at Village Inn. And on Tuesday we meet at uh, the the cafe at the Greeley airport. And then on Wednesday, we meet at Chick-fil-A. And Thursday, he, the whole week, he went through the entire week and told me where they met for coffee every day. These guys meet, they meet for coffee every day. And this is not, this guy is not a touchy-feely guy. You know, he is not an extrovert. He, you know, he rides motorcycles. He travels in his RV. He's not interested in holding hands and singing Kumbaya, right? But when suddenly he has all this free time on his hands, what does he instinctively make time for? Relationships. We are wired for this. We are wired for connection, every one of us. We all need friends. We all need real, meaningful connections with other people. We need this. God made us this way. It is not good for us to be alone. We are much better together. We're much better together. We're much, we are much more whole when we're in community because that's the way we were made. Okay, so here, here's our reality. We, we are made for community, right? We are built for deep, meaningful, authentic relationships. We're made for this. And yet often we struggle with it. We struggle to connect. We struggle with loneliness. We don't feel that connected to people. And actually, our culture, the culture we live in, kind of makes this community difficult to experience. I mean, the, think of it, the pace of our lives, our tendencies toward working a lot of hours, and many of us do that. 
the amount of time we spend watching TV or playing video games or whatever, all of these things, they really work against our need for community. They work against this innate need we have for community. So, so while we long for deeper connections at, at some level, we do, whether we're aware of it or not, we do. There's a, a longing, we long for deeper connections. On the other hand, we struggle to experience them. So what's the answer? Well, we sort of need a buddy bench, don't we? We need, we need a buddy bench. We, we need a safe place where we can admit our longing for connection and then we can find that connection with other people. But where is a buddy bench like that? I mean, where is a buddy bench like that? We may go searching for it in bars or in chat rooms or certain organizations or whatever, but often we are still left feeling disconnected. So is there a buddy bench for us? Is there a place where loneliness can be eliminated and where kindness and inclusion can be experienced? Actually, there is. <laughs> this God who, who created us for community has also created a context for community to happen. And that context is the church. It's the church. Now, Hang with me here, because I realize for some of you, even when you hear the word church, you know, you, you may have just some really negative perceptions, negative experiences. You may just have negative connotations that accompany the word church based on past experiences or current, whatever, just based on those things. Or for many of us, many others of us, when we hear the word church, we immediately think building, right? Church is a building. We immediately think building. We go to church. Church is a building, meaning we drive to, I'm going to church. What's that means? We're driving. It means, it means we're driving to a location, right? So in our mind, in the minds of many of us, in our, the, the, the church, when we hear the word church, we primarily think building. But in the heart of God and in the word of God, church was never intended to be viewed that way. Ever. It was never intended to be viewed that way, as a location, as a building. It, it wasn't. The Greek word, the Greek word for that we translate church, it's kind of an unfortunate translation, that's a longer story I don't have time for, but, but the, the, the reason that the word church is sort of um, used for the Greek word, that, that's kind of an interesting story, but it's, it's, it's unfortunate because, again, the word church for us I think it means building in our mind, but the word, the Greek word, is actually the word ekklesia. Ecclesia. And the word ecclesia does not mean building. It does not mean location. The word ecclesia means gathering. It means an assembly. It means a group, a community of people. So the word, the word ecclesia does not refer to a location. It does not refer to a building. It refers to a community. So when Jesus says, in Matthew 16, when Jesus utters that very, very important phrase, when he says, I will build my church, that's the word that's used there. I will build my ecclesia. God's plan to impact the world is to establish this dynamic, vibrant, relational community, this ecclesia. That's how he wants to impact the world. That's his plan to impact the world. It's a gathering. It's an ecclesia. And that's exactly what we see happening initially, right? In the book of Acts, chapter two, we have a front row seat into what the first experience of ecclesia, 
looked like, of Ecclesia Church looked like. Check this out. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in people's homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Notice this was not about a location. It wasn't. This was not about a location. This was about people in relationships. Every day they would meet, to get, they would meet together in the temple courts. And then in the evenings, they would gather together in people's homes. They would break bread. They would have meals together. They would worship God together. They they would hear and discuss the the, the apostles' teaching together, right? And then they would give to one another. They they heard about a need here, and so someone would sell something, a possession, so they could help this person out. And, 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 And they would pray for one another. They would serve one another. I mean, it was an amazing buddy bench. It's an amazing buddy bench. Lonely people... Finding a family. Lonely people finding a family. Broken people were finding grace-filled friendships. I mean, no wonder it says that the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I mean, who wouldn't want to be a part of a community like that? (laughs) Who wouldn't want to be a part of that? A community of love and grace and generosity and joy. See, God's plan all along was to connect people in community, in a loving, relational environment. That's his plan all along. And then it got sidetracked for several hundred years, right? Starting with Constantine, and suddenly the church got, the, the ecclesia became this focus on buildings and, 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 and you know, that fancy, ornate things and religious symbol, all that stuff. And, and, and it, it, it suddenly, for, for centuries, we, we lost this initial, this original vision for what the church is to be about. It's to be a movement of people in community. That's what ecclesia means. That's what Jesus intended. So God's plan all along, it got sidetracked for a while, but God's plan all along was to connect people in community, to connect people in a loving, relational environment. And, and again, the church, the ecclesia, the gathering of God's people is the vehicle for that. It's the primary vehicle for that. The church is God's plan to eradicate loneliness. The church is God's plan to enable people to live out this longing for connection. So how does that happen? How does that happen? How can the church help eliminate loneliness on the playground of life? How how can we all grow in our experience of genuine community? That's a a really important question, and obviously we're not perfect, we're sinners, we're not going to do this perfectly, but it's a really, really important question that I want us to apply, I want us to think about and apply, because in order to answer this question, I think we need to go back to the buddy bench idea, the buddy bench concept, because it's a concept that is proven to eliminate loneliness on the playground. It actually does, it eliminates loneliness on the playground, so why is that? And how could that apply to the church? See, when you, when you look at the elements that make the buddy bench work, we realize they apply to us in the church as well. They apply to us, enabling us to help eliminate loneliness. 
Okay, so there, there are three keys here. Why the buddy bench works and how this applies in the church. First key element in the church becoming a buddy bench is this. We've got to own our need for connection. We have to own our need for connection. See, on the playground at Maplewood, when a child is feeling lonely, they go to the bench and they sit there. They're owning their loneliness in that moment. They're admitting their need. And this was the part of the buddy bench thing that just that brought tears to my eyes. It was just the thought of a child being willing to admit, I'm lonely right now. I need a friend. But that's what makes the buddy bench work, right? If, if no one sat in it, it wouldn't work, right? What makes it work is, is, is this willingness to admit that it's, it's okay at Maplewood, it's okay to admit I'm lonely. I'm lonely. It's okay to admit that. See, part of the problem in our society is that it's not okay to admit this, right? It's not okay. We don't want to admit that, that we're feeling relationally disconnected. We don't want to admit that we may actually struggle with loneliness. So then a Chicago Tribune columnist writes it and then she goes, all oh, is male, but no one wants to admit it, but you know, anonymously we'll admit it, or in a letter we'll admit it to someone we don't know, but to admit it to anyone else. No, no, I mean, no. Um, Mother Teresa once said that loneliness is the leprosy of modern society. No one wants to admit they have, they're lonely that no one wants to admit they feel disconnected, right? And so then we post things on Facebook that make it look like we're so happy and so connected and all that, but inwardly we feel alone. We don't feel like we belong. We're not really connected in authentic relational community. So, so here, here's the critical question on this first part of applying this. Here's the critical question. Have you owned your need for connection? Have you owned it? Are you willing to say, I need this. I'm not embarrassed to sit on a buddy bench. I need this. I admit I need this. I feel disconnected relationally, and I need to connect. This is a huge step. Oh, man, this is a huge, huge step, because a, lo a lot of us hide or we even self-medicate, honestly, behind a wall of busyness. Oh, I'm just too busy. A wall of activity, a binging on Netflix, right? Working long hours, pursuing hobbies, rather than facing and admitting this need. And th folks, this is true of teenagers. This is true of 20-somethings. It's true of retirees, of, of married folks, of singles. We need to own the fact that we need community. And it's really hard to own that and to admit it to sit on the buddy bench and say, I need this. It's really hard to do that, but we've got to. I remember a few years ago, Raylene and I, um, we decided to officially disconnect from the small group we were in, the e-group we were in. Um, it wasn't anything about anyone in the group. It was just life was busy, and uh, we started to rationalize why, you know, we didn't really need it at that point in our lives, you know, and our kids were a bit at that age. They were middle school, high school, just busy with lots of activities. We're driving them here and there and all sorts of things going on, and we're going to volleyball games and tennis, man, all that stuff. And it would just be so easy, be so much easier just to have Monday evenings free. It would be so nice just to have Monday evenings free. And we could go out to dinner occasionally with, with some people and stay connected, blah, 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 right? Several months into that experience, we realized how isolated we felt. How isolated we felt. I mean, going out to dinner 
with someone occasionally is not the same thing as being connected in community. It's not. Which, which leads to the second key element, and, and, and by the way, we responded by getting back in community. Okay, so we're a part of an e-group now, and we realize, man, we need this. we got to own it. This is important. It's important to us. We're lifers on this, right? We, this is important. We need community. We, which leads really to the second element in uh, us as a church becoming the, this buddy bench that God desires. And that's the need to submit to structure. Submit to structure. Two words there that some of us are like, cringing at or submit and structure. Forget it. I'm out of here. No. But the, hang with me here because this is really important. The buddy bench works because it's a structured context. See, I mean, I mean the, the school principal could, uh, Maplewood, John could go, um, he, uh, the, the principal there could go, you know, and, and start the school year by having this big assembly and all the kids are in their ride and, and they're encouraging all the students to make sure no one feels lonely and, and yada, yada, yada. And come on, kids, make sure no one feels lonely, right? He just, this amazing, he could do this amazing job, this amazing pep talk. But the moment the assembly is dismissed and recess begins, that idea goes completely out the window. I mean, the buddy bench provides a specific context for connection to happen. That's what makes it work. The idea of eliminating loneliness wouldn't work on a playground without a structure in this, in this instance. The structure is what makes it work. And the same thing is true in our lives. Genuine community doesn't just happen automatically, even from messages and sermons and how important it is. It just doesn't happen automatically. It doesn't happen uh, you know, from occasionally doing happy hour with a few friends. It doesn't happen, um, uh, really happen even in a large group environment like this. It, you know, community doesn't happen in this. It requires structured relationships. What do I mean by that? What I mean by that is a, uh, by structured relationships, I mean a small group that meets regularly and has a specific spiritual focus where people are committed to being there. See, without this structure... Authentic community will not happen in our fast-paced, fast-paced, busy lives. It will not happen without the structure. So for us at Christ Community, that, that structure is, is our e-groups. Our e-groups. E-groups are small groups of people who regularly connect and they focus on three things, which is where the E comes from, okay? Embracing the gospel, experiencing the spirit, engaging in mission. Gospel, spirit, mission. If you're, you'll hear that a lot around here because this is, our, this is how we believe spiritual growth happens. This is how we define what a disciple looks like. It's someone who embraces the gospel, they experience the spirit, they engage in mission. And this is how we define what we want our, our, our e-groups to be about. Every group group is about these three things. Why? Because we believe as we're about these things, we're growing as disciples. So this is our pathway of discipleship. It's through our e-groups. So we have men's e-groups. We have women's e-groups. We have 20-somethings e-groups. We have couples e-groups. We have retirees e-groups. We have all sorts of e-groups. But all the e-groups, all, all of them, they're very varied in, in, in demographics and all of that. But all of them have these three elements, gospel, spirit, and mission. So right now, is a great opportunity to wade into community by taking the initiative and joining an e-group. Now, there are three ways to do this. And again, this is all about structure. It's all about structure. Um, the, the three ways to do this. One, join an existing e-group. You can find out more information about those groups by um, online, or you can stop by our e-group um, uh, info area in the lobby. There's a specific area for e-groups, and if you have questions, so I encourage you to check that out. So that's one way, just join an existing e-group. 
Second, second way, and this is a really, really, we want to make this as easy as possible. And so here's the second way is during this five-week community series, started last week, so we're in week two, we are hosting an e-group experience here at church. You can come on Wednesday night and experience community during this five-week series. We had like, I don't know, five or six groups actually Wednesday night. It was awesome. Um, just a great response last week. So it's not too late. After this week, it probably will be too late. But you can still jump in this, this Wednesday because there are still four times left. And so there's more information. We're calling these short circle groups because they're only going to last for five weeks. Um, um, but you do need to register and let us know you're coming. And so again, you can, you can register online or you can talk to someone at the e-group um, information desk. So that's a, that's a, a cool option. Um, and there's childcare and also all that's taken care of. Or three, you can start your own e-group. Start your own e-group. We, we would love to visit with you about that. If you're interested in exploring that, um, you may know some people that are disconnected, and, and uh, but you know them personally. And say, hey, let's let's come together and let's just do this. You could do it for these five weeks um, and just see how it goes. But we we will resource your group. We can resource your group with study guide questions based on the weekend teaching, as well as any other um, just help for any other challenges that you might be facing. So so if you're if you're not in an e-group, I urge you. This is a great time to, to be intentional about this because we're focusing on it as an entire church here. If you're not in the group, I urge you to make the time for this to happen. Even if it's just for the remaining four-week window, just try it and experience the power of connection. We all need it. We all need it. You may be new here, or maybe you've attended here for years. It doesn't matter. We all need community. We all need this kind of community. We all need a structured environment for genuine community to happen because it won't happen automatically. It won't happen automatically. Okay, now there's one other, there's one other element that makes the buddy bench work. There's one other element in us becoming the buddy bench that God desires, and that is this. We must open our hearts to love. We must open our hearts to love. So, follow me here. See, once a child admits that they're feeling lonely and they sit on that bench that's designated for this purpose, right? One other thing needs to happen. Someone else, another child needs to see the need and be willing to come over and invite this child into their activity or into their group. You know what that's called? Love, right? That's what love looks like. It sees a need, it has compassion, and it moves toward this person, inviting them into relationship. Genuine love is not exclusive. It's not. It is not separatistic. It is not wall building, you know, and avoidance behaviors, even though the church has unfortunately been known for those things for centuries. It is not those things. <laughs> no, love is not those things. Love moves towards lonely people and says, you belong. You belong. See, it is my heart, and I'm sure it's your heart as well, that every person, every person who comes to Christ's community would hear that very clearly. You belong. You belong here. You don't have to be cool. You don't have to be trendy. That This is not an honor society or a sports team where you have to have a certain GPA or athletic ability to be a part of the team. No, no, no. You don't have to, you don't have to even have your life cleaned up. You don't have to have your life cleaned up to be a part of this community. You belong here, just the way you are. You belong. 
But there is something about this kind of community that we need to understand when I say, oh, you, need, you don't need to clean up your life. And that's absolutely true. But there's something that we need to kind of know, a little disclaimer on the front end of community. It's something we got to understand. A grace-filled, loving, Christ-focused community has the power to transform you and me. It has the power to transform us. So when we say yes, when you say yes to being a part of a, this kind of a community, you are also saying yes to a resurrection, right? You're saying yes to resurrection because that's what Jesus does in his ecclesia. That's what he does in this gathering, right? He transforms us. His love expressed in community is that powerful. Accepts us where we are, but it's so powerful. It doesn't leave us in that place. We're, we're transformed. It's the power of community. But the key, again, the key here in this particular point is that we open our hearts to this kind of love. Now, what might that look like? A friend of mine told me about his elementary age daughter who came home from school recently and, and, uh, and she was all excited about this buddy bench, telling her dad about the buddy bench at her school. They had one at her school. I don't think she goes to Maplewood, but it was another school. And they have a buddy bench. She was all excited about it. And so she told him how it was to help people not feel lonely. That was the whole purpose, to help people not feel lonely. And so then she spent, she, she, she talked about how she spent her whole recess, she spent her whole recess looking for kids who were by themselves. And then she would go over and she would take them to the buddy bench and she would drop them off so that they could be invited to play. And she was so excited. And so after listening to her talk about several kids that she had brought to the bench and, and, and you know, help them not feel lonely, he then asked her, hey, hey, just to say, so have you ever thought, have you ever thought about inviting that person to actually play with you? Have you ever thought about, I mean, instead of just bringing them to the bench, what if you invited them to play? You could see the wheels turning there. She hadn't even thought about that. Her heart was right. She so wanted to help people not be lonely. And so she was using the buddy bench tool, but she hadn't made the connection that ultimately she could be a part, she could be a part of the solution. She could be the one that invites this person in to play with her. See, I wonder if sometimes we are the exact same way. We think all we need to do is invite someone to church. Let's just get them to church, just invite them to church, get them to the, you know, buddy bench, right? Get them to this, this possibility and then let someone else take care of it. But what if you're the one God is calling to be that person? To invite them into your e-group, to invite them into your experience of community. Maybe God is calling your e-group to multiply. Maybe you have plenty of people in there, but God's saying, I want you to multiply into two groups so that you could connect more people in community. And I know that's hard and it's paying all this stuff, but, but again, this, this heartbeat of love, maybe that's what God's calling us to do, open our heart to love. Or maybe God's calling you to leave your current e-group, leave it, leave it going so it continues to go, but maybe he's calling you to start, leave your group and start another e-group for people you know are disconnected. Some of you have a leadership gift and God wants you to leverage it. It's not being utilized in the way it could be. The shepherding leadership gift. And it's maybe not being utilized the way it could be. See, the, the reality is in order for every person here to be connected in community, we need lots of e-groups, and we need lots of leaders, and we need lots of love, lots of love. And love often means stepping out of our comfort zone and helping others connect in community. See, in order for the church to be God's buddy bench, in order for the church to be God's buddy bench, love has to be our ultimate motivation. 
It has to be the ultimate driver on this one. I mean, think about, and this is why, I mean, think about how Jesus loved us. He saw us in our isolation, right? We were isolated. He saw us in our isolation, and he became lonely, experiencing the rejection and the humiliation of a cross in order that we who were far from God might be adopted into God's family. <laughs> I mean, that's what he went through so that we could be connected in community with God and with others. I mean, think, think, think of what Jesus went through to make this buddy bench possible. And now he asks us to be a part of his plan to el eliminate and eradicate loneliness through the power of love, opening our hearts to his love. Are you willing to be a part of his plan? Are you and I willing to be a part of his plan? It's the only way it's going to work, is if all of us are a part of it. I want to read a portion of a letter that a mom wrote to her son as he was starting the third grade. And I know that most of you are not in third grade. But in this letter, I hear God's voice to us as a church. And so I want to invite you to engage with God. As I read this, I want you to invite you to, to engage with God and to hear what he is saying to you through this letter. How proud he is of you and how much he believes in you to share his heart and express his heart to others. So here's the letter, important part of it. Hey baby, tomorrow is a big day, third grade. Wow. Chase, when I was in the third grade, there was a little boy in my class named Adam. Adam looked a little different. He wore funny clothes and sometimes he even smelled a bit. Adam didn't smile. He hung his head low and he never looked at anyone at all. The other kids teased Adam a lot. And whenever they did, his head just hung lower and lower. I never talked to Adam, not once. I never invited him to sit next to me at lunch or to play with me at recess. Instead, he sat and played by himself. He must have been very lonely. I still think about Adam every day. I wonder if Adam remembers me. Probably not. I bet if I'd ask him to play just once, he'd still remember me. I think God puts people in our lives as gifts to us. The children in your class this year, they are some of God's gifts to you. So please treat each one like a gift from God. Baby, if you see a child being left out or hurt or teased, a little part of your heart will hurt. That heartache is called compassion. And it is God's signal to you to do something. God is saying, Chase, wake up. One of my babies is hurting. Do something to help. Whenever you feel compassion, be thrilled. It means God is speaking to you. It means he trusts you and needs you. I so wish I had not ignored God when he spoke to me about Adam. I chose fear over compassion. I wish I hadn't. Adam could have used a friend, and I could have too. Chase, we do not care if you're the smartest or fastest or coolest or funniest. We don't care if you get straight A's. We don't care whether you're picked first or last for kickball at recess. We don't send you to school to become the best at anything at all. We already love you as much as we possibly could. You don't have to earn our love and you can't lose it. That's done. We send you to school 
to practice being brave and kind. Kind people are brave people because brave is not a feeling you should wait for. It's a decision that compassion is more important than fear. It's more important than fitting in and following the crowd. Don't try to be the best this year, honey. Just be grateful and kind and brave. That's all you ever need to be. Take care of those classmates of yours and your teacher too. You belong to each other. You are one lucky boy with all these new gifts to unwrap. Enjoy and cherish your gifts. And thank you for being my favorite gift of all time. Love, Mama. Let's pray. God, thank you for speaking to us through the letter of this mom to her son. There's so much in that is, that is your heart for us as your children. That we would see people around us as gifts, precious gifts. And that when our heart hurts a little bit for someone, we would hear that as your voice to move towards them. And to invite them into community, whatever that looks like. And God, I pray you would help us be kind and brave. Because it does take, it feels risky. It feels risky just to admit I need community. Just to say that, to admit it, to own our, our need for community, that feels risky. And it feels risky to sign up and say, I don't know these people, but I'm going to sign up and be in this group. And that feels a little scary, but Lord, even that feels risky and needs some bravery. And we, we pray for that kind of bravery to move towards community. And then we also pray just for the bravery to be loving and to communicate in the way we live, that we communicate to people, you belong, we love you, we care about you. And so we pray for this Letter. We're not doing this to earn your love, just like this mom says to her son. This isn't about earning love. We don't have to prove anything. We don't have to earn it in any way. This is just about living as your kids and expressing your heart. So I, wanna, I just want to pray, God, we want to pray that this church would more and more become a buddy bench. That people could find a safe place to admit they feel disconnected a safe place to find a smaller community to, to learn and to grow and to connect with. And that for all of us, you would help us just to open our hearts to love for anyone who comes here. Just open our hearts for love. And so we pray for more e-groups. We pray for more leaders. We pray just for everyone. I just pray, this is a big ask, but I pray for everyone in our church that attends Christ community to be a part of a group like that, to be a part of an e-group. And so, Lord, if you're stirring in people's hearts right now here that, that maybe feel disconnected, I pray you would give them the courage to take intentional steps and say, I need this. We need this. Emotionally, physically, spiritually, we need to be connected, more connected. And so I pray for them to take those steps and that you would help them find that community. 
whether it's joining a current group or forming a group or being a part of these short circles, whatever it looks like, Lord, you would just help people take those steps and that you would help every person here feel connected in community, God. Because that's what you're calling us to be, the ecclesia, an ecclesia, a gathering of people who love you and who love each other. So help us grow in this, God. Help us as individuals, help us as a church grow in this. And we're so grateful to you for making it possible. Thank you. For making it possible, Jesus, by coming to earth and being, being brave and being kind to leave the comfort of heaven and to come to earth and to experience isolation and rejection and to hang naked on a cross alone so that we who were alone, so that we could be adopted into God's family, so that we could have our sins forgiven and, and be a part of this amazing family, this ecclesia. Thank you. You're the one that made that all possible. And we're so grateful to you. And we celebrate you. We love you. We worship you, Jesus. Thank you for all that you went through. Thank you for the love you poured out so that we could experience relationship with you and community with others. We love you. You know, I want to get, we're going to respond with the Lord's Supper in just a moment, but I want to give an opportunity before we do that. There may be some of you here and you have never, you have never entered into a relation, a personal relationship with Jesus. I'm not talking about going to church. I'm not talking about being religious and following rules. I'm talking about having your sins forgiven and knowing that the very presence of Jesus lives in you. And there are some of you here and you have never done that. And you know right now it is time to do that. And so I want to lead you in a prayer. And if this is the desire of your heart to be in relationship with Jesus, I want to invite you to pray this prayer along with me in the silence of your heart. So pray with me. Dear God, I, I admit that I'm separated from you because of my sin. You're holy and I'm not. I'm separated, but I don't want to be separated from you. I want to be in a relationship with you. And even though there's nothing I could do to get to you, no matter how many times I went to church and how, many, how good I tried to be, nothing I could do could get to you, but you came to me by sending your son, Jesus, who came to earth and who lived a perfect life and then died on the cross in my place. You died for my sin, Jesus. And I choose to place my trust in you alone for my relationship with you. I bring you all my faults and my failures and my sins and my doubts and questions. I just bring it all to you. Just lay it at your feet. And in exchange, I receive your life. I receive your forgiveness. I receive you, your spirit coming to live in me, changing me from the inside out. Thank you. And I receive this truth that I am now adopted into your family. I'm a part of a family now. So Lord, I want to pray for anyone who prayed that prayer. Help them grow in their relationship with you by being connected in community. I pray for that for them. 